0: Welcome to the Cotton Clip Crew. This is another special edition. We are bringing the baseball season completely to a close. Texas Tech fell to the Florida Gators in the game two of the regional final. That was the do or die game. Florida basically blanked out the Red Raiders in that end. both games. It was a tough, tough couple of days for Tech after a really promising start to the regional at 2-0 and to then fall 0-2. We're going to talk about the season as a whole, not just focusing on what happened to the region regional final, which, you know, is a, is a relatively easy to explain concept. We're going to talk about the season overall, the high points, some of the lows, and what's learned and what needs to change for the program to develop. I'm here with Jack and Joe. I may have to hop off towards the middle-ish part of this episode, so those two guys will likely carry the bulk of this. But Let's go ahead and get started and get rolling. Um, Jack I'm gonna go to you first. It's good to have you back. Jack was traveling and with his new job we have had less of him this baseball season than any of us would have liked. but now he has an opportunity to give his thoughts on everything he's seen this year. We're gonna I'm gonna start with a pretty easy question which is pretty much simply, how do you what is the defining moment of this season what was the biggest moment to you what moment stood out the best yeah let's call it not a high or a low but what do you think was the most the moment that encapsulated most of the season for you
1: well unfortunately um you know I think that the the times that uh or the situations that really kind of brought the season to full circle were the last couple weeks, no? I mean, um, I think that if you had to summarize the season uh, in a a word, you know, I don't know if anyone really expected us to win the Big 12 or, um, you know, I at least kind of expected us to contend, which didn't happen. But um, I think that we – could summarize this season by the end of the of our Big Twelve tournament and the end of our season. Um, you know, promising at times, but you just couldn't finish. Uh, I think that pretty much encaps like encapsulates the whole season um, pretty well. Uh, I think that there's a lot to be le- or a lot left to be desired. Um, I think there is a lot of pieces that are now on the move that, you know, are going to be missed. I think that, um, it's kind of going to be a what could have been, uh, you knew you were going to lose some guys after this year. There's, I mean, Joe and I talked about it at length on one of the episodes that we did. You know, there are only nine positions on the field. Um, but we would have liked to see some other guys get some more opportunities, um, but, you know, I think in a word or in a situation, I think uh, the end of our Big 12 tournament and the end of our season, uh, it kind of just perfectly embodies what this whole season kind of seemed like, at least to me.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. To me, the the moment that will stand out, it's also probably the lowest point of the year, is the sweep against Texas. Um, that. Really summed up how your season was going to go—close, but not good enough. Um, you saw not great offensive performances. You saw pitchers that couldn't throw strikes. You saw heroic effort and have it all come to naught. I think that summed up how this season was. You know, you talk about the Big Twelve title race. It was at that moment I knew that Tech was not going to be that competitive in that race. It was when you had Texas twice i am not going to say that you know you have one game where texas was clearly a step above you but you had texas twice where you battle back you have a shot and you immediately blow it so that that to me told me everything i needed to know about how this year was going to go i and the damnedest thing is i had people at the time tell me it's not that big of a deal and then You know, it was a massive deal that buried you and is why you were sent to Florida was because you could not pick up either one of those critical RPI victories that might have gotten you to a softer regional. So it was a huge deal and it did define the season for Tech. You didn't lose every close game, but you lost enough of them and you lost a lot of them the same way as what happened there. Great effort, something most of it relief pitching on occasion. It was offense this past weekend. We didn't see a lot of offense from tech, uh, but you know that, that defined the season for me. Uh, and, and, and it also is to me, the lowest point of the season. I know there's talk to some of the blowouts, but to me that hurt the most because it was against a rival and you had two shots at them when you should have won both games. Once you got back into that, you should have won both games. Um, and it was tough to, to fall like that. John, I'm going to go, you changed the question just a little bit. Let's talk about the player who, Performed the best overall this year. Who's your MVP on this team? And I'm going to change it a little bit because it's easy to highlight like a pitcher or the top bat. So we're going to do both. Who was your overall, you know, in- infielder, outfielder, whatever? And who was the top player? I'll go ahead on the, and
2: start off with the staff. pitching staff, and it was more so on what he did on the back end as opposed to the body of work he did the entire season. Because whenever times got tough, and whenever you needed an ultimate victory and you needed a a strong outing. Mason Molina provided that. Now, I, I've been on record saying and bagged on him before, you know, just because, you know, I knew there was so much more there from a pitching standpoint, from what he brought to the table, than what he was actually producing. So, for me, the back end, when these games are most important in the Big 12 tournament, in the NCAA tournament – and those must-win games towards the, la- the latter end of the of the conference, you throw a guy out there and, I mean, he is nearly as good as any pitcher in the nation in a four-game span that's been out there. And I, I think that goes a long way because, like I said, it's, it's those times where you need that W. You need to go out there and pitch at least four plus because our bullpen is so suspect and things like that and i mean i'm sure he felt the weight on his back whenever he took the ball every time he started and for him to come out as strong as he did or at least as strong as he did to end the year i mean that's my by a long shot i mean i mean it'd be a tough race i guess if you're putting his and beckles you know seasons together which I'm not discrediting anything that Brandon did. It's just that I I believe the body of work that you did late whenever it mattered the most, most goes a long way. So uh, Mason Molina is Mm -hmm. going to be my pitching MVP. And then on the batting side of it, yes, it's probably easy to go the easy route with uh, Gavin Cash and his heroics and things like that. I mean, but he kind of fell super, super cold there late. And, you know, you don't expect that from a caliber kind of guy. And I and I know that he had that two-home run game there in the regionals and things like that, you know, and we kind of thought that that may be the the trend of him finally getting out of that slump that he had been in. But ultimately, I mean, he kind of just – he inflamed out there. Um, I'm going to give my um, offensive MVP to uh, Kevin Bazil. Um, just kind of stayed as consistent as – as everybody across the board played good at third base at times, pretty solid. Most of the times I, would, I must say at the play, he got it done. I think he led the big 12 slash nation in doubles at a certain point. I mean, he, he was that guy. Um, and then I would put up there another guy who kind of may not um, get as much credit for what he did this year, but um, Nolan Hester was, was by far one of my favorite guys to watch bat he just like I said I mean he did he did everything that you needed him to do he got on base as a leadoff guy should and there was some kind of ridiculous stat out there I don't remember exactly what it was but he was on base 49 of the last something 50 plus at bats or I don't know exactly what that stat was but it was it was something absurd and you know Nolan Hester deserves his flowers too because he did a hell of a job this year
0: Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think, you know, if if Gavin Cash had had a much stronger close to the year, he has slump and, you know, he it, I thought he had broken out of it. And then obviously he was just not great in the regional finals. I think it would have been easy to name him. Uh, I'm going to go to a name for pitching that I think is a little unsung. I'm going to throw out a name here because I think towards the end of the year, he was probably as reliable as anybody. That's my guy, Josh Sanders. And I, I want to give him credit because of all the relief pitchers you had, he was a guy you kind of leaned on in a couple of critical situations. Um, and I really liked his game. I, I, I think that, you know, and it's hard. I want to not pick one of the starters because they're the easy answers. I want to give credit to relievers. Ryan Free had moments. Beckel was obviously incredible in relief. But I'm, I'm going to give a nod to Sanders for some really tough moments. I'm also going to give a nod to both Petty and Robinson because both of those guys were Tasked with really difficult jobs and performed at the highest level, and it it was kind of exciting to see younger guys kind of do that, and and Rogers as well. Younger guys do this and take on roles that you know see guys take on roles that they had not all year, you know, and and really we can fault the pitching all we want, and you, you saw it against Florida what happened when your relief pitching was forced to make some bigger moments, but there is a lot to be said for the fact that in this regional, your starters all performed about as well as you could ask any of them to do. Um, and it it just didn't work out as for the offensive side of things. I like Nolan Hester a lot. I really loved his game. I'm going to give him the nod. I don't remember what his streak ended up being. It was something like 47, 49 games on base. Um, he was phenomenal, and I, I loved watching him approach at bats because he was constantly trying to just fight, stay alive, and get on base, which is all you ask him to do—just get on base—and he did it over and over and over again, game in, game out. He did it the hard way a few times this regional, getting hit hard. And I—I I think that that deserves a nod because I don't know what the longest on base streak is for Tech, but that had to be up there. You know, how many games in a row he got on base had to be up towards the top it was an incredible year for him and we you know it, it it is not all it, it's not everybody who can do that because you know there are going to be games where you can't swing the bat it just feels like you're swinging and missing at everything and have the patience to to force walks you know to, to keep battling through tough counts and get on base to help your team out because that's that's the thing we didn't see enough of this weekend we didn't see guys um, playing for contact and trying to just get on base and keep things alive and Nolan Hester all year had the approach of doing it. Jack, I'm going to go to you with a slightly different version of this question. Who was the season's most improved player? Who got better from start to finish most noticeably?
1: Oh, for me, this one's easy. Um, I'm going to go with Tracer Lopez. Um, Starting out the year, you know, Tracer Lopez, you know, he... He played well, but he kind of looked lost. He looked like he should be playing his senior year in high school, which is the case. He should have. He should be a senior in high school. He should have been graduating from high school, you know, two weeks ago. But, um, you know, graduated early, came to tech, um, and I think that, you know, even though we kind of saw less and less of him, like in the in the very end, um, I, I think that his game his games evolved so so much and I don't even really think necessarily at the plate because he was always a pretty good hitter um but I think definitely uh in the field his fielding just improved so much on a game-to-game basis and I remember Joe and I had a conversation about it uh, about how it just seemed like one game a switch flipped and uh I think it was. I think it was after um, the Texas A&M game uh, in Houston, and after that, um, you know, he he played a really strong uh, shortstop. Um, I think he gets my nod for most improved. I do want to also give a shout out for uh, my top bat of the year was not mentioned, uh, and for me, it's Austin Green. Uh, you're talking about a guy who let's not forget got hurt like a week and a half into the year and played the rest of the season with that injury he's still hurt so um you're talking about a guy who's been gimping around for two and a half months and all he did was finish second on the team in home runs and uh third on the team in rbis behind uh cash and bazell um, played a solid second base and uh you know, he he went out there every day and fought through injuries, and he, he put up just a solid stat line. I'm really excited to get him back for one more year. Um, but for my most improved, I would give it to uh, Tracer Lopez.
0: Yeah, and I I want to give Tracer Lopez especially some love because he he had some bad moments, and I, I don't think anybody wants to color around that. But he constantly seemed to take those moments in stride. I think, other than maybe the A and M game, where you you saw the freshman and all of it and all of what it means to be a freshman, he just kind of imploded in that game. Otherwise, I mean, he'd make mistakes, but he he had a a good kind of attitude about it. He always kind of seemed to take the approach: next play is all that matters. Um, and he, he he constantly worked on minimizing, you know, the mistakes that are bound to happen when you're that young. Um, he's a guy that took some heat from the fan base too, because. You know, there were moments where, yeah, you kind of wondered what he was doing out there, but at the end of the day, he kept getting better, and the talent on display and the maturity that is going to come with time is going to combine to make him a really great baseball player. Um, I wish we'd gotten to see a little bit more of him this past weekend, in fact. I, I think you maybe should have tried with a little bit low, higher risk, high reward there, but, you know, he really showed you what he can do and I I I hope he can keep his head up he had some tough moments but he really made some fantastic plays that were really uncharacteristic for freshmen plenty of defensive moments where he made a hell of an effort and there were games where he really carried you and that's not something you really expect a guy that young to be to be doing so it's a great sign for the program to have a guy like him in, in in Lubbock and I hope I hope the staff is doing everything they can you know now the portal era to kind of keep him around it's less active for baseball but we did see guys like divine and key um announced that they were leaving so it could happen but he he did a lot of work for tech this year at a very young age in a very tough spot and did a great job um joe i'm gonna go to you now let's get what's 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 move away from the big picture zoom in on just this weekend because I do want to sum up the regional final a bit before we come back to kind of looking at the full season as as a whole and what it what it was and what it wasn't. So let's talk about the region. You start 2 and 0. We talked before the regional final. We were both very very confident. But I want to talk about heading into the final game, the do or die game. What was your confidence level at with that game coming up? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? Did you think Tech still had it in the uh, bag? It was a what
2: push for me. I was split the down the game. middle. I had it 50 50. It could go in. Could go in either way. Um, just based on how the performance the game before with a freshman pitcher who hadn't really pitched much, and how we just struggled mightily and we didn't make him work. It just kind of seemed like, you know, we didn't have our head in the game to an extent, you know, like Whenever it's a do or die game, you would expect, you know, to see, you know, everything all like, you know, just like how they say in football, the just throw the playbook out there. You know, we're we're giving it everything that we got. And it just seems like it lacked in in that. So I was at I was a fifty-fifty, a clear toss up. The pitcher that they had going in the final had pitched some games, had pitched some innings, was a very, very Solid pitcher all year round. The umpire was, you know, was questionable all all weekend. You know that strike zone was, you know, it wasn't called the same way. That's all, all home cooking kind of stuff there. But um, as far as that final goes, I was I was split there, man. I just I just didn't think that we showed enough fight and grit the previous game to even to even do anything. You know, it's like I just. a a team that seemed like they were a shell of themselves going into that game. And I had mentioned in a, in a uh, tweet or something like that, that we had put on line. I said, once that, you know, that um, gauge misplay in that, that ball in center field, it looked like we had kind of conceded that loss already. And it seemed like we just kind of carried over that, that non momentum into the, into the finale.
0: Yeah, we had that exchange online, and I, I tweeted it through the Viva account. I have a lot of respect for how Tim Tadluck approaches the game, but what I, I have a bad feeling about him doing is he, he seems to regularly play for Game 2s and regional. and it, We saw it against Sam Houston a few years ago. Same damn thing happened. It did not feel like Tech was throwing their best stuff. And like you mentioned, that moment where that kind of popped, I don't know if he lost it in the, in, in the lights. What actually happened? I, uh, you know, I obviously can't ask a kid like that. What, how'd you lose it? Should have been a caught. It was an error, mental mistake. But when that happened, it was very apparent he gave up. And the team feeds off of that, right? They feed off the cues from their head coach. And when that happened, I knew that this weekend was not going to go our way. Just because you, you just don't come back from playing like that. And the team played tight and nervous and anxious and i i I talked about it after the game it wasn't a lack of effort everybody was swinging for the fences and battling it's just they played like a team that had a lot to lose and was feeding off a head coach who kind of gave up uh, in that first regional final game and i know people don't like that they don't like to hear that and i know that there's a lot of people who are very defensive of tim tadlock but it is reality He makes a lot of money he made a mistake and he coached a bad game. He coached a bad regional final. He had a lot of great moments this year. There were a lot of great coaching performances. A lot of good decisions made. This was not a good one. It happened at a big moment. Accept it and move on. I didn't feel good about the second game. It, I I I hoped, I hoped what would happen is maybe we'd reverse course and kind of prove, um, you know, kind of the baseball gods wrong for playing like we did in game one and come out really firing. But Florida put it all together in game two and just. They just looked, they looked like the number two team in the nation. And we looked like a middle of the pack, big 12 team, which is what we were. Jack, I'm going to let you get the last kind of thought on this regional. Let's talk about the pitching decisions in particular. Um, This is where a lot of the controversy is in Tadlock. What'd you think of some of the decisions made in these games?
1: You know, I I think that there was definitely um, some overwork, which is nothing new um you're talking about um i not sure if i'm correct but i think beckle went in every game but one um so uh i you know he was overworked he's dog tired um and you you want to obviously you always want to say that hindsight's twenty twenty. you can always go back and say oh you know you should have pitched this person you should have pitched that person um I didn't mind any of the starting decisions, and I'll tell you why, because who the hell else are you going to put out there? At that point in time, there were times early in, or I guess I should say in the middle to late 2010s, that you could play for a Game 2 in a regional final, and you could have the pitching to cover your ass for it. Um, That hasn't been... A constant at tech since 2020. Um, I think 2020 was the last year that you had a staff deep enough that could cover you in that. Um, and I think that, like you said, I, I, I'm not a big person that uh, likes to be critical of of the coaching, um, but I, I think that that for me is a big gripe. Like, kind of like you mentioned, the uh, playing for a game, too. Um, I think you used to be able to do that, um, but we need to take a step back and look at the roster before we continue to coach like that. Because right now, um, I mean, no one, no one wants to say, I'll say the pitching recruiting, isn't cutting it. Um, It's just not, you don't have the same recruiting that you used to have. Uh, You don't have the same type of talent you used to have. It's apparent. It's, it's not wrong to say that it's just a matter of fact at this point. You're not getting the Stephen Gingrichs anymore. You know, you're not getting, as much as I hate to say, you're not getting the Micah Dallases anymore. Um, don't get me wrong, Mason Moline a hell of an arm, came all the way from California to play here. Uh, you know, you have guys that are accruing all these awards at the high school level, but it's just not translating yet. Um, granted, a lot of the guys on this roster are young, um, but... Uh, you know you you used to see a lot of these kids come in and have an immediate impact uh some of the talent that tech used to get back in the day uh would come in and make extreme impacts as freshmen um that's not happening anymore really um i think i think zane petty came on really good towards the end of the year when he goes thrown into a major part role. but like you said um zane petty and and jacob roger too and even kyle robinson All these, like we've all talked about this episode, you know, all these guys were put in just incredibly tough situations, stuff in situations that you wouldn't want to put a senior in. Um, But you know, some of the some of the stuff I I didn't agree with. I, I the starting pitching decisions I was fine with because in the moment you know who are you who else are you gonna put out there um, I, I was really kind of iffy on um, in the first game of the regional final I didn't really agree with bringing Jace Lopez out there um, I didn't like that decision but you know again who else are you really gonna throw everyone else had been is had been thrown until their arms are gonna fall off Um you kind of saw Damian Bravo, you know, revert to t- the Texas A and M Damian Bravo, which is a little puzzling. Um, you saw Beckle get touched up in the in the do or die game. Uh, so, did I? The, I think to me the biggest one that I kind of wondered about was the Jace Lopez decision. At, by that time, I think the game, I would, I don't want to say the game was out of hand, but it was pretty apparent that Tech was having trouble getting runs across, and um, that's just not who I would have brought in in that situation. But other than that, I mean, what are you going to do? And like I said, it's really a matter of, you know, who who else are you going to throw? I mean, you're going to start – What who are you going to bring out, like, guys that have thrown one game? Like, are you going to – I mean – like you said, a lot of your guys are hurt, and and that's a whole other thing we can get into on another day or later on in this episode. But I think the common theme for this pitching staff this year was overworked. It was overworked, and it was very apparent that it was overworked, and I would imagine that a lot of these guys are have some sort of injury just because they are being overworked because they're not recruiting at the same clip that they used to and it's not unfair to say that it, that tech has lost a step in that in that category um but that's just my point of view on it
0: all right i have to head off here in a minute so i want to steer this discussion this way and i'm going to leave you two guys to talk about the season overall your best moments worst moments etc but this is a discussion i kind of had online and some people didn't like this discussion at all uh, but it's one that has to happen So I want to set the stage, give the context here. Tim Tadlock has brought a tremendous, a tremendous amount of success to Texas Tech for a program that has historically not had any. You know, four trips to Omaha, multiple regional. I would, what was it, seven straight regionals? uh, I don't know how many regional finals, but I think it's like four or five in a row. You know, this this has been the highlight of a program that had no other highlights. And Tim Tadlock is a fantastic coach. But let's, let's add the context here. Three years ago, you were in a Super Regional at home as a host. You, I believe that year was hosting because Stanford advanced. I don't remember if you were the higher seed or not originally. But regardless, you hosted the Regional, hosted the Super. You lose in the Super Regional. You're upset at home. It was a tough loss. Um, if you guys remember, Stanford had that incredible ace who buried you in Game 1. And then you just got thomped in Game 2. Next year comes around. You got an, you got another young on the team everybody's excited looks like there's a lot of offense pitching's not there pitching's not there all year you struggle you're competitive in the big 12 race you kind of eye the hosting picture but you lose a bunch of midweek games you shouldn't have uh, the, the the what was it? the Grand Canyon series really jumps out good little program but they should not be sweeping you um, it was it was a tough tough midweek year for tag and that killed you in the hosting so you're sent off to the georgia southern regional the poor bastards get you and notre dame both of which were I in the host late notre dame should have been hosting it's a tough regional i don't think anybody really expected to get out of it but you make it to the regional final through the losers bracket you lost game one in notre dame and you're you're beaten the first uh the first regional final game by the by the irish and sent home year three this third year this year you were not competitive at all in the Big 12 race. I mean, your Big 12 race ended like halfway through the year. I mean, you you managed to get TCU to Oklahoma State, and everybody kind of thought maybe whatever. But the Texas sweep and then the choke against certain teams, and just not able to win three not able to win three games out of series just took you out of the Big 12 race. You finished what was it sixth overall in the Big 12, not anywhere near hosting. You were almost not in the postseason. I'm mean, gonna be very clear. You had work to do in Arlington, and thankfully you were able to take care of business and secure your spot, but you were on the bubble because you did not get it done during the regular season to guarantee your spot. That's because you didn't really play a tough non-conference. You didn't beat anybody really good in your non-conference, and you lost a lot of games to teams you shouldn't have. And the sweep against Texas in particular was one in which that sweep hurt you badly because Texas ended up being a really strong RPI team, and you really needed that on your resume. So, then you head to the regional. You start off great, two and zero, but then you fall 0-2 against the Florida Gators, who obviously got to be tough to beat in their home on their home ballpark. Um, you mentioned the kind of the umpiring issues; it wasn't great from the crews all weekend. Uh, but you know, this is three years in a row now of not results anybody wants. Um, started with a super regional, then it just keeps getting worse. You know, your regular season results are slipping. You know, it was a shocker to be competitive in this regional. And I, I'm proud of this team for battling and proving some people wrong, including myself. I thought they'd be two in Q. I thought UConn beat you, then you get you might get past Florida A&M, and then maybe. I wasn't even that confident about that. I thought you might really go 0-2. But at least one win in the regional max, lose to UConn again, go home. That's what I thought was going to happen. I was extremely excited to see that kind of my, my Homer gut instinct of like, ah, we're not ever, never out of the fight was right. And I really thought you were going to get it done. You didn't. But the results are slipping. They are slipping. We are not looking like we did four years ago, five years ago. We have not looked like an Omaha-bound program the last several years. We we have invested a lot of money into baseball, and there's more investment coming I would like to pose the question that Tim Tadlock has an obligation. Does Tim Tadlock have an obligation to change his staff? I uh, People saw a tweet, and maybe the tweet wasn't clear. I wasn't talking about firing Tim. I was talking about firing Matt Gardner. I was talking about maybe you target your strength and conditioning coach. I was talking about maybe hiring somebody with a different perspective on how to approach offensive baseball. Because what we're doing is having the same results. We don't have the pitching. We're great at home. We can't win in non-offensive ballparks. That's what's happening now three years in a row three years in a row, that's what's happening. And as the pitching's gotten worse, it's gotten harder and harder and harder for the offense to carry us. So Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to step off because my opinion is that you do get rid of Matt Gardner, but I have to run. I'm going to let you and Jack carry this conversation, carry it. And you both carry the rest of the show, but I wanted to pose this question before I left to make sure it was in there. Does Tim Tadlock have to make changes? this Absolutely. offseason? Joe, Absolutely. Your thoughts?
2: You know, we were talking about this, you know, weeks ago, you know, the what ifs, you know, nobody really likes to play that what if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, to to cause change. So, not making the NCAA tournament was that enough firepower to go and make coaching changes? Um, if an early exit from the NCA or the NCAA tournament, um, you know, is enough fire to to get somebody out of that position? You know, it's just. It's nothing against Tadlock. Nothing against Tadlock. We know what he brings to the table. We know. And he has to see it for himself. You know, there's nothing wrong with change. There is absolutely nothing wrong with change. Nothing wrong with bringing in a new set of eyes, a new perspective, a new way of thinking, a new way of recruiting, a new way of whatever it is that they bring to the table. But, I mean, he's Tim Tadlock. I mean, you'd expect that if we were making a coaching change of any sort that he would have his pick and who he could bring to this program to help us out. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to come to a nationally recognized university for baseball? One who's, you know, who's been there, you know, one that's still there, you know, always in that conversation for sure, you know? So for me, I think it needs to happen. Like I, I think it needed to happen before what we did in the, big 12 tournament i think it needed to happen before what happened in the ncaa tournament and i've really kind of thought that way since you know this has just been a common mantra from this team you know the broken record stuff as we always allude to you know it's just there's nothing wrong with change you know I, i i get it how some people would be out there to take tadlock's defense like oh look at his resume up until this point what he's done for the university, and it's it's almost like, well, what has what has the coaching staff done for us lately? And and it's been said, you know, the last three tournaments that we've been involved in. I mean, it's the same issue, and it's the same issues going into said tournaments as well. You know, so I think um, change needs to happen. I think Gardner needs to go. I know him and tadlock or tight or super super close friends and things like that but i mean who said that we necessarily have to get rid of gardner you know i'm sure that there's some lesser role he could take within the within the the team and we could bring in a new guy i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's you kind of keeping your head up high and you know kind of rolling with the punches if tadlock ultimately has had to make that decision so, I'm all for change. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm for it just because I know all the positives that it can bring. What are your thoughts on that, Jack?
1: You know, I think that a lot of what you're saying has, has a lot of merit in it. And I think that, um, you know, and, and I, I don't know if you, you necessarily keep them around. Um, but I think that what you'll probably see if they do make a move, I think it's going to be one of those, you know, uh, we've decided to mutually part ways and, uh, and that'll just be the end of it. Um, I I think that, I think it's run its course. I truly think it has. Um, again, I'll, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I will reiterate um it's been the same thing the last three years we all three have said it uh you know it's been the same thing the last three years it's been subpar pitching an offense during the regular season and then getting to a regional and the offense disappearing and the pitching staff coming on and keeping us in it until the regional final, and then losing in the regional final minus the Stanford super regional. I was in attendance at the final. Um, that was the my least favorite baseball game I've probably ever been to. Um, I, 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 we left in the like. I can't even remember. And, like, the top of the sixth. It was horrible. But um, I think, you know, I think, I mean, the last two years are what stick out, really, to me. Uh, you know, your offense just goes AWOL, disappears when it matters most. Um, and I think that the pitching hasn't been there. Like I mentioned earlier, the pitching hasn't been there since 2020 to cover your ass. So... Um, yeah you you want to you want to rant and rave about these guys about their resumes and everything but you know what i hate the most it's like that's like everyone talking about oh well we've beaten you more times over the last 35 years i was like i don't give a shit about 35 years ago i don't give it i mean to be fair i don't give a shit about three years ago i give a shit about what's happening right now and what's happening the last two years um it's the same thing um and like mike mentioned you know it's it's the same shit it's just a broken record it's the same shit different day it's it's what you said too joe i mean we're to the point now where we're starting to make it a routine and it's starting to become to become a trend and yeah i'm i'm not saying i'm not a fan of the tadlock lifetime deal i'm indifferent about it um I think when people start throwing around lifetime contracts, people start getting, start to get complacent. And I'm not saying Tadlock's getting complacent. I'm mostly saying the staff. Um, They all of a sudden think that, you know, they're, they're like roped into this deal. Well, I think someone needs to be, a couple of people need to be reminded that that's not the case. Um, You, uh, you're losing some pieces that, have been around for a while or not necessarily been around for a while, but you know, have talent. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think just, uh, I think, te- I think Tim Tadlock needs to take a step back and just really, and t- just without bias, evaluate the program. You know, we've had great recruiting classes, um, in the field. We have more people in the field, and we know what to do. Is we can't even find a spot for freaking Jarrett Curtis. Jarrett Curtis is probably going to go to fucking West Virginia and steal ten bags on us in a three game series next year. But I mean, you, if you can't find a spot, so you would think that we you could find pitching. But God forbid! I mean, it's it's like it's like you're trying to find I don't know like the Ark of the Covenant or something like you you just can't find it it's just wild to me um that that we can recruit so well in the field and for position players and have guys that hit over 25 home runs every year and you know in the 80s and RBIs and uh, you have guys who were leading the country in doubles at one point and you have guys that are reaching base 47 out of the last 52 games or whatever and so it's like it's not all i mean tech's good at it j bob thomas is good at it um but i it's 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 what's going on on the mound and um it's pretty apparent and i know tim tadlock sees it i don't know if he wants to see it um but i I know that he sees it. I just don't know if he wants to, you know, it's one of those things. And so I'm going to be really interested to see if there are any moves made. I think that if there is one to be made, it's kind of going to be like I mentioned the, uh, you know, Texas tech and Matt Gardner mutually agreed to part ways. Um, you know, we wish him all the best, dah, 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 all that shit. Um, but Joe, I want to, uh, I know we kind of, before we get to our, you know, our top performances of the year, um, I kind of want to get one last thought in on this. Um, we briefly touched on it, um, you know, with Curtis in the portal and Haid key and Andrew Devine on the way out as well. Um, I'm interested to know what your thoughts on... The possibility of um, or you know what you think that this roster kind of looks like next year you know obviously um, you're I'm assuming the infield pretty much stays the same Um, Gavin Cash is not old enough to enter the draft I don't believe so I I think he's gonna have one more year at Tech Um, Bazell isn't old enough obviously Austin Green could leave. Uh, I, I don't think he will. I think that he's going to have one more year. Um, you know, you're going to have that battle again at short uh, between Tracer Lopez and Will Burns. A lot of people also forget. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything about Travis Sanders, but as far as I'm he's concerned, with, I think
2: he's still, still this right now. The only other infielder that for next season, entered the portal correct? is Magar.
1: Okay, so yeah, I figured Magar was leaving, and um, you know, so I all of this is happening, and I I don't know if I mean I if Sanders sticks around, I think it could be great. Um, I think you could honestly move a guy like Austin Green into a DH spot and make room in that middle infield for someone. I, I think now that. Um, you have Ty, Ty Coleman's gone. You're going to have an empty DH spot, um, and also we. I know you and I had talked about saving that um, that DH spot for you know possibly like Owen Washburn and having Curtis run around out there. But now that Curtis is gone, um, which I think is going to be the travesty of the century. Um, So if anyone asks me about how I feel about that, I'll make it very clear. I think that might be this staff's biggest gross mismanagement of a player in the Tim Tadlock era. And that's not saying – I don't say that lightly, and I don't say it often, but um, I truly believe that the way they handled the Jarrett Curtis situation – Could quite possibly be one of the most gross mismanaged, uh, the gross mismanagement of a talent that this team has had in the Tim Tadlock era. Um, He is going to be a star wherever he goes. He is talented enough, Uh, he has the speed. He ran the fastest time at the Major League Baseball combine. The fastest sixty, and you couldn't have enough. You couldn't get him on the field. I like. I can't even fathom this. You couldn't even pinch run him. I mean, there are times that Ty Coleman got on base. I'm sorry, Ty Coleman. Ty Coleman was hurt. Austin Green's hurt. Like all these guys have these hamstring injuries, and you can't even get him on the base pass. Even it blows my mind. But anyway, um, with all this being said, you know, do you feel like this, uh, do you feel like you could see, uh, you know, Green getting pushed to a DH spot? Do you feel like Sanders could, could you know, make a play for one of the middle infielder positions? You know, how, how do you think that's going to shape up uh, in this? I really year? hope you Sanders think he sticks, even sticks around. around. I
2: mean, hell, he's probably one of the best infielders we had on this group pre-injury. I mean, he... He had solidified his role. He was gonna be your day one starter. He was that guy, you know. I kind of feel like our infield is gonna not look quite the same on the middle part as opposed to the its outer edges. I think Bazell and Cash are staying staying put. And then potentially, you know, you have Austin Green go into DH. You have Tracer Lopez moving to second, and you have Sanders going to to short, and then Will Burns is the odd man out, and he's the one who leaves. You know, I mean, nothing against Will Burns, but I mean, the upside of the three guys in front of him are just are years and bounds ahead of where he's at. And even for Cade McGar, I think he was probably ahead of of Will Burns as well. You know, so our middle infield may have a little bit of you know switching there. I think potentially, you know, you could slide a bazell into a DH role. And then you could put another glove out there on third base, just depending on um, the movement with Sanders and Lopez and green, you know, but I made, I made a um, prediction, you know, back then that, you know, and even so you, you did as well about Jerick being like that number one guy you need to retain. And obviously now that's just, you know, a spit in the face. So that kind of, you know, Brings me to question what we may do with our outfield. Does does that mean we have to have Owen Washburn stay that much more now? Like, is it like is he a must bring back? We can't let him hit the transfer portal because that could be almost a blessing in disguise. Because once we have, if we have his commitment back to us, and that I would uh, I would generally assume that that means his brother would be back with the team as well. So I see Gage solidifying center field. Obviously, Nolan Hester is leaving left field open. I don't know if what Dylan Carter is going to be doing. I think he has one year of eligibility left. If he still plays in a lesser role, or if he, you know, obviously he, when he's on, when he's right, he's right. You know, whenever he's not injured, which is very hard to say because I mean he gets hurt a lot. But when he's right, he's right. You know, he's your starter. He's a solid bat. I mean, everything. Pre injury this year was fantastic. I mean, who didn't love watching that Dylan Carter at the plate or out in the field? That was, I mean, it was phenomenal. The 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 pace he was playing at this year prior to his injury, you know. So I don't. The infield has a lot of question marks, I guess, as far as you know, mix matching, you know, positional players between sh- second and short. Um, what we may do with our DH, but our our outfield, I think Washburn you have to retain, and then you could run a outfield of Washburn, Gage, and Carter. I don't know who else. Maybe a Damian Bravo off, you know, off the bench kind of deal. I don't like. I said I don't know exactly what pieces we all have coming in with this this upcoming class and things like that. But man, our infield, like I said, I think we may ultimately lose. Will burns to a transfer just because you know he's the odd man out in the situation on what we have, or it could be a Travis Sanders who knows you know, maybe he just doesn't want to be a part of what we're doing, but I mean, he took a medical red shirt, and I mean all of that stuff. so I mean, I believe he's gonna be coming back. I mean, I would hope so, so I just you know I really I really see a lot of changes with this team moving forward, but as I said, Previously, whenever talking about Matt Gardner's, you know, there's nothing wrong with change. I mean, as long as it's beneficial to the team, I'm all for it. But I mean, there's a lot of question marks right now um, with this roster as it pertains to next season. I think you're
1: right. And I think that, um, well, you know, you got to remember, Will Burns has got his football.
2: Forgot about uh, that. Totally forgot about
1: Football commitments as well. So, so uh, I think I think that might be something where, uh, you know, if he really is pushed into the odd man out situation, he might just go jump into football full time. Um, so uh, that's that's part of it. Um, that's something to consider. Um, with all this being said, you know, we should probably end this on somewhat of a high note. Um, so I will ask you for you know your your most impressive performance on the season. Um, could be a game, could be a series. Um, when when you think of this year, what what performance by someone uh, in a uh, game or series there's really stood a out? A
2: handful, I guess, that are out there, and it, it'll just be the games in itself. Um, the the, my two bigger ones, I guess that I have more so in in my head, will be the um, the two games in the Big Twelve tournament because you know you're you're clearly on the outside looking in going into the NCAA tournament, going into the Big Twelve tournament. You know you're not you're not poised and you haven't really necessarily shown anything that justifies you getting the nod over this. And then we still had kind of like a, a higher RPI up to that point, you know, so we weren't clearly in. And those two games there in Arlington kind of were my big ones for me, you know, coming out and drawing West Virginia, the first go around. And that's not an easy task, you know, given the way that they had been playing all year. And then going out and doing, you know, what we had to do with Molina pitching that first game, you know, having a hell of a game and then us just ultimately getting the job done um, on the offensive side and then carrying over into that Oklahoma game where, you know, we were down. I mean, that was about as good as a comeback and as good as momentum moving forward as you could have asked for at that point. You know, we were kind of like dead in the water there. I mean, I know we still had an additional game to play had we lost that game, but coming back and actually getting that win there was monumental because, you know, if you're looking at the body of work prior to the Big 12 tournament starting, I mean, this is this is that, that win that gets you kind of in your feels that you don't want to be too overly excited because, you know, you've been kind of let down before. But, I mean, it was something that kind of got you you, in your feelings that, hey, man, we we could really do something or we're really turning this thing around at the right point in time. For me, those two were, were the high points for me. There's a lot of individual high points out there for me. You know, there's been a couple games where Gavin Cash was just, you know, hitting the ball like he was swinging a tennis racket and he was having a beach ball thrown his way. There's been plays on the defensive side, you know, that we've had made by young guys, young guys at the bat at, at the plate as well, doing some damage and some and some big moments of the game. Um, but those those two games in the Big 12 tournament for me are probably going to be my highlights of of the season for Tech baseball.
1: I think for me, it's going to be. Um... in a for a game wise uh, one that really stood out to me was game one of the TCU series is uh, that 20 to 16 game Um, you know that's coming off of uh you know four straight losses you look you got swept in austin and then you went on the road to new mexico and got beat 11 to 10 when new mexico scored like four like four or five runs in the bottom of the ninth to walk you off um and then you come out against you know who then was a tcu team that had just been knocked out of the top 25 they're you know pissed whatever and uh you go out there and it was a it's a really crazy game, but you know, thirty-six combined runs, uh, but you end up taking it, and uh, I think that that kind of got Tech back on track. I think if you lose that one, then you kind of set the stage to lose that weekend, um, and all that. I was also really impressed with the midweek, uh, the second game of the midweek at Stanford. Uh, I think you won. I think you won that one you know by 10 or 9 or 10 runs um that was that was pretty impressive Um, and that was at number eight stanford at the time so um that was a that was a big one um on the lower side i guess we we should probably do the lower side as well um obviously the sweep at texas was bad um i think the 17 to 2 game at West Virginia was embarrassing um then you follow that with a 5 to 3 loss and then you follow that with a 3 to 1 loss against Kansas at home and then the the next day it takes you all it takes you 10 innings to walk Kansas off you almost lost that Kansas series at home I think if you I don't I think if Gavin Cash doesn't walk Kansas off in that game, and Tech ends up losing. I don't think it matters what we did in the Big 12 tournament. We probably would not have made um, the uh, postseason tournament. Um, I think the I think the first game in that North Dakota State series was really bad too. That was that was really bad. I, like I think that was like an eight to two or eight to three, or I think it might have been an eight to one loss. Um, that one was really bad Um, that game against New Mexico was piss poor that was terrible too Um, I think but overall we can touch on themes as we're kind of wrapping this up now we're running right at about an hour Um, if I could pick a theme for this year and if I could change anything uh, I would I know obviously we haven't released schedules and we won't for some time for next year Um, I would request a tougher non-conference. I I think that having these candy-ass non-conference schedules really hurts you um, when it comes to... And we saw it this year. I mean, you just didn't have a resume that was worth a shit. Um, You really needed a win in Austin. You didn't get it. Um, Really needed that win against Texas A&M in Houston, and you didn't get it. Um, you, You really needed... You know a sweep, uh, like you know a clean sweep here and there, didn't get it. Uh, a sweep against Iowa, even in that in that early season series against Iowa, would have been great. Uh, but you didn't get it. Um, yeah, you know you you did get swept at Texas. Um, you, you really could have used a sweep against TCU to get back on track. You know you just didn't get it. You should have swept North Dakota State in three games. You didn't get it. Um, it was just a constant, you know, you didn't get it. Uh, should have swept OU at Oklahoma, uh, but you but you get run-ruled in the finale. Uh, that's, I think that for me, that's kind of the theme, you know. Could have, you should have swept Baylor at home, but you lose the second game of a doubleheader on Saturday as to to not complete the sweep. You lose the series at Kansas State. Uh, you, you you lose a, the middle game against Sam Houston. Uh, it it the, the list goes on, and I think that that is kind of going to be the the theme for me this year. Um, you just didn't get it. Uh, you needed a salt. You needed to be damn near perfect in the non conference. You needed to win two out of every three at least and with a couple of sweeps uh, to, to contend and you didn't get it. Um, you didn't play enough away games. Uh, you played 37 games at home out of uh, you played 37 uh, regular season games at home, uh, not counting the last, how many games were there, the last eight games of the year uh were at neutral sites technically so our final record was 41 and 23 so you take away eight games at, from 64 and i mean you know you're talking 37 out of 56 games 57 games were um There're 58 games. I mean, we're on the or we're at home, and that's and that's not gonna be that's not hard enough. That's not difficult and difficult enough. And I think that you know you need to start playing better competition. Uh, you know you need to get some you need to get some serious stuff with some SEC teams uh, to really to really and truly gauge where you're at. Um, I'm 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 over the the midweek games against UT Arlington and uh you know just shit like that western illinois uh four gamer against western illinois that doesn't prove anything um and i don't know about you i don't know how you're feeling about it but uh to me i think that's gonna be my biggest gripe in terms of schedule uh, i mean it's just stuff.
2: i mean what are you actually gaining and or learning in those cakewalk games you know you're not you're not testing yourself you're not trying to you're not trying to gauge where you're at as a team you're not doing anything that's effectively helping you you know other than just getting some at-bats in and some extra pitching in there you know but even at that i mean it's still we still had question marks even after those cakewalk games and it wasn't it wasn't great i don't like it and i'm i'm all for having a tougher schedule because now you could have these moments these battle tested moments for teams you could give you could give um a team adversity early you could see what they're made of you see what you have in your team you know i know these little games like you said in during the week there are four game sets against teams that are terrible you know just terrible you know nothing against those teams but you know like i said we're just not we don't We don't gain anything from that other than just a tally on our record sheet. And that's it. And, you know, something like a show to be put on. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters, essentially. They're just going to go and kick the shit out of you. And then they get their check. You get your W. And then the fans are happy. On to the next kind of deal. And it's not helping us out. It's it's hurting us in that department whenever we start getting into these Meaningful, meaningful games and just thinking that by resume alone, or at least the team alone, by um, roster alone, I'm sorry, um, we should just be given this stuff and, you know, it's a team sport. It's a full team sport. I think that that's a that's something that needs to be changed moving forward that will ultimately help this team, you know, in those closer games, in these tougher matchups, in whatever And, you know, ultimately we won't be having to have these questions about our RPI so late in the season. if we're on the fringe of being in, you know, despite the record, our RPI is great. You know, one of those kinds of deals, you know, we don't want to leave question to anybody out there that we're one of the best teams in the nation. That's end of story. But when we play soft ass schedules like that, it kind of makes it feel like we're too timid to play some of the big dogs, you know, during the year because we're just more concerned about wins and losses as far as you know quality wins and losses so i i just i think that needs to change i definitely um am on that side with you about about that hurting us more than helping us and you know we'll we'll just see what happens next but i think that definitely needs to change
1: I think well, this is a good spot to wrap up. Um, you know, I, we're going to be looking for some changes coming up. Um, I think that um, I think the fan base, to be honest, is is ready for a change. Uh, I think that uh, in terms of pitching coach, let's not jump to stupid conclusions. Pitching coach. Um, I think that I think that we're ready to get back to the type of success we were having prior to um, you know the 2020 or during the 2020 season and prior Um, it's time and uh, you know this program has the talent a lot of returners coming back next year. Um, So there's going to be some hype around that, that a lot of guys are going to have some, um, you know, some juice. They're going to have some, you know, experience. They're going to know what it's like. Um, You know, as we mentioned, I would look for Travis Sanders to make a huge, um, you know, impact if he's still around. Um, I think that... You could see a very good team next year. Um, I think you need to do a huge job in getting some getting some transfers into that bullpen and, uh, and onto the starting mound. Uh, Mason Molina can't do it by himself, and um, I'm tired of the pitchers being overworked. So the more depth, the better. Um, we want to thank all for tuning in. This has been our postseason special. Um, I'll have an article out you know within the next week or so kind of recapping everything uh, kind of my thoughts on the season where where the program goes next um, all of that nonsense uh, but for Mike uh, it's been me and Joe um, you know I want to thank y'all for listening. We are going to be having some stuff coming out over this offseason. Um, as we will start, you know, eventually at some point here fairly quickly, uh, I believe towards the end of this month, middle of end of this month, uh, you know, we're going to start to take a look at the football team and uh, their schedule. You know, opening game against Wyoming uh, in a little less than uh, 3 months. So Uh, it's coming up. It'll be here before we know it. And, uh, until then, until our next time, we'll, we're signing off and we'll see you then.